Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. We have with us a very special guest today. This is the one and only Joaquin Flores. You can catch him over at the Telegram. He runs an incredible Telegram channel called The New Resistance. You go check it out over there. It's fantastic. Joaquin posts daily, minute by minute, the geostrategic, geopolitical, geoeconomic situations that are occurring throughout the world. And he posts it very quickly, very rapidly. He also does live streaming on there, so it's an absolute treat for you to join that channel. On top of that, Joaquin is an expert on the geopolitical and geostrategic. Uh, he's been an ardent student of it for many, many, many years. Uh, he's He was a uh, – Joaquin, you used to be in the RT. Are you still with RT or – No, I'm uh, now completely independent. Okay. Fantastic. So, uh, so Joaquin's joining us, and there's so many things that have happened throughout the world from the time that we've uh, scheduled Joaquin – there's so many things going on. Walking, where do you want to begin? I mean, we, we have the situation in Ukraine and Russia. We have the whole Alexander Dugan thing. We have the insanity that is here in the United States. And, folks, also real quick, we will be on YouTube for about 10 minutes, and then we're going to transition off to our other platforms like Twitch and DLive. The links are in the description box, so be ready to transition with us. Go ahead, Joaquin. Yeah, so we just kind of want to, I guess, talk about things in a – really preface, preface kind of way so we don't want to break yeah. any of the YouTube rules and stuff, right? Right, and then within um, 10 minutes, we'll switch right over. Yeah, yeah, no, very good. Um, well, at this particular time in Russian society, in the blogosphere, in the you know political uh, you know talking heads and citizens and everybody, YouTubers, everybody, bloggers are saying, hey, um, this um, murder, this assassination, um, attempt or whatever it was that resulted in the murder, the martyrdom of, uh, of Alexander Dugan's daughter, Daria Dugan, mm-hmm. um, is, um, wor- you know, worthy of a, a, a very strong response. And maybe this is evidence um, that we have treated the issue um, with too much regard uh, for you know, wielding diplomacy along the way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then you have, of course, the situation in Serbia um, really um, destabilizing um, after September 1st, which is just a few days away. Uh, you have a, a very, very bad situation um, where the Serbian government is going to, um, you know, potentially fall flat. OK, just to put it out there. If they don't respond adequately to the uh, the provocation, it's a provocation. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a situation with uh, Serbia and Kosovo. And it's interesting that it is a culmination of things. And you know, there's a lot of people in the West who think that Alexander Dugan. They keep calling him Putin, Putin's brain. He's not Putin's brain. 
Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 in Russia itself, uh, you know, the West, people in the West hold Dugan in a higher regard than in Russia, right? And in Russia, it's like, okay, he's Alexander Dugan. He's, he's, he's a, you know, he is what he is, but. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, um, you know, he, he is, um, you know, uh, for, you know, former chair of a department at Moscow State University, and he was relieved right. of his position at some time. He's he's a, he's a known individual, you know, in the country. Correct. But the biggest the the big misconception is that the things that he writes are where Putin gets his policy from. Yeah, it's insane. That nothing could be further from the truth. He's very well known, though, of course, right. you know. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, what is your take on on this? I mean, we know that from the initial news sources that are out there currently, uh, we knew that, that we know that uh, Alexander Dugan was supposed to get into that uh, Toyota Land Cruiser Parada, which is a phenomenal SUV, by the way. And um, he was supposed to be in there, but in the last minute, he decided to take another vehicle. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, Daria's car that she was driving exploded. Right. Uh, and it was pretty funny because the Ukraine Nazis sent out a tweet or, or some sort of message prior to this happening in regards to, you know, things getting dangerous and messy and escalating and whatnot. And it's interesting because, again, they targeted Dugan, who is not a state official, so he has, like, practically no real security around him. So he was a real soft target, which makes this even more cowardly and dastardly of an act. You know, his... his um the the office area that he works is is right like literally across the the up the street across the street from you know red square yeah and the building is a high security thing with uh um you know military guards uh or militarized police guards um and they're pretty security conscious you know what 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 occurred of course um and it doesn't detract at all from your point uh is the wanton disregard for human life, uh, anyone else around. I, there may have been a, a, another individual as well. It's not known to me at this time, but for sure, um, the uh, investigation has already released um, determinative findings of who the person is, and they're connecting it to um, the Ukrainian uh, security apparatus. And they had said previously, um, you know, the official spokesperson um, for the Foreign Ministry, um, Maria Zakharova said that um, if it turned out to be the uh, SBU, the Ukrainian, you know, uh, intelligence, that um, it would be uh, state terrorism. So that's where they're at now is that this is state terrorism. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. And hot on the heels of this, we have the situation between Kosovo and Serbia. Yeah. Can you give the audience up to speed on how the situation started? Well, um, you know, the most I think everyone probably knows that there's that there's a dispute over, you know, who who Kosovo, you know, where that is, who belongs to what, what the future of it should be. And people probably know that um, the, the recent provocation that led to this was um, a as a response, you know, an emboldened move um, to escalate the situation. Um, and this has happened in the past, but this is, um, but not to this degree. Basically, are um, eradicating the it's um, Serbians uh, in Kosovo because they they are a large number of 
as a minority, um, have documents that they, you know, live in the country and it allows them to travel and they have family on both sides of the uh, border of the autonomous region of Kosovo. And uh, they're after September 1st, they're not going to be allowed to um, have this freedom of travel unless they effectively change all their documents and effectively start to become um, seen as, uh, you know, uh, citizens of Kosovo. Um, whereas both in the Serbian constitution and how, how these Serbians are living in Kosovo, you know, that this is Serbia. So they have Serbian documents, right? So basically right. it's going to nullify their documents and it, and it basically traps these people and, uh, it makes them, uh, effectively persona non grata in the, in the plural. And it's similar um, to what Ukraine was doing with the native Russians in the Donbass region. Yes. It's a very identical, it's an identical sort of that dynamic of it is identical. Wow. And so the Serbian government is not going to sit there and allow their citizenry to be just rolled over. They can't. You know, it, it's it's such a, a difficult political situation because, you know, whatever your analysis of the Serbian government is, right, whether they're simply reacting to where the population is at or whether they have some positive agenda, that's almost besides the point because it just, you know, where the the, the government would have to respond no matter what. And, and that's that's and, and, you know, militarily is a very difficult option because Serbia, I think, just has uh, well, on paper, it's 40 or 50,000, um, you know, standing military, which is about two or three, three times what NATO has been trying to, you know, force on them. Um, the real number may be larger. And then they have another 50,000 um, are reserves, you know, ready for active duty today. Um, and a potential with, you know, prior military experience, you have um, another 100, 150,000. And then you have, you know, total population to draw from, you know, that's not the number to really use because of how things tend to turn out, but you have maybe 2.5, 2.7 million. So, um, but historically, Serbia, um, relative to its population has produced much larger armies than its population would suggest. It really has that uh, martial tradition in its uh, population. Very well said. And Joaquin, stay right there, folks. We're about to transition to uh, Twitch and DLive and our platform, roguenews.com. Uh, again, so the links are in the description, description box. Goodbye, YouTube. We're about to go live. Joaquin is about to be unleashed, unbridled, yeah. no holds barred. <laughs> Take it away, CJ. We're switched off. Go for it. Oh, we are. Okay, good. Perfect. Excellent. All right. We're we are off of YouTube. So Joaquin, we are free. Now we can talk however we want to talk. We can say what we want to say. Yeah. Let's pick up. Let's talk about, you know, getting back to Serbia, Ukraine. How does this all play out? Because it seems that the Russians are winning massively in Ukraine. I mean, right, you, Ukraine, I, I, I've, I've gotten some, uh, some Ukrainian body counts from actual military guys who actually track this sort of stuff, who've crunched the data. They're saying anywhere between thirteen to 15,000 dead Russians in comparison to 250,000 almost dead Ukrainians on the military side. So in other words, Ukraine has lost more military than the entire, the, basically the British, more than the British Army. Right, the entire standing yeah. British army, the Ukrainians have more dead soldiers. So this is an incredible thing. 
they're lo- they've lost the war in all intents and purposes. What the heck is going on, and how does this play out to the much grander scheme playing out in Eurasia, the multipolar world, one belt, one road, the, the U.S. dollar? I mean, my God, Joaquin, just take it away, brother. Yeah, look, the only way, um, you know, winning a war is one thing, uh, maintaining the peace and creating a post-conflict um, balance of power, which is going to be conducive to maintaining that as a new status quo. So you're not just looking at what is your final military position or how quickly can you take it. But in a, when you're talking about a conflict such as this, where you may even have um, one, one side that wants to expand the conflict, you know, broader into Europe, perhaps, and then you have another side, um, which um, I think probably the, the, quite frankly, many, most of the Europeans and the Russians are probably on the same side as this and would like to agree to contain uh, this conflict to Ukraine, right? In order to uh, keep this conflict basically in Ukraine and then have the post-conflict um, uh, balance of power and economic situation, the Black Sea security zone and things that would, let's say, frankly, involve Turkey, um, you can see uh, the the involvement of Erdogan at this level, right? And I think for people who kind of look at the, the, the cast of characters through maybe like a Game of Thrones lens, the Erdogan character is, is most fascinating. Mm. Um, so you have in the context of this uh, uh, collapse of the dollar, this is going on for people, this is going on for 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 most of my adult life, in fact, when I think about the, the sort of gradual unwinding of, of the dollar as, as the um, default uh, you know, currency for, for transactions between countries and as a, as a reserve currency, mm. um, I think that this is um, you know, probably what's driving a lot of this mayhem on the one hand. And based on that side and based upon um, you know, any potential uh, of, of, a, of a euro uh, currency, um, which is um, effectively independent from the dollar as well, because there's there are these forces in Europe for that, surprising as it may seem to some. And so um, framing all of that is that financial aspect and the currency wars is that it's really the the cabal operating out of the American side. Unfortunately, I hate to say that as an American, that seems to be quite unique uh, unilaterally in terms of their desire to um turn make this conflict into something uh that has an unstable result they can't win right but to create a a, an aftermath where you have um this ongoing problem let's say of terrorism uh, of assassinations of murders uh maybe maybe some of the things we're seeing now with the uh with uh, the daria dugina assassination etc so um these are the considerations moving forward yeah, it's incredible to see this because the, the vast array of how this is playing out, especially with the cabal, with the United States, the unipolar world pressing itself, I, I, literally, it, rather than admitting that they've lost, that it's over and trying to negotiate a better position, these people literally believe their own lies. They believe in their own echo chambers. They're literally circle jerking each other, thinking that they can, <laughs> right. that they're winning. It's the most right. insane thing I've ever seen, Joaquin. Um, I mean, that is part of their information war and their and their posture and it it would have been you know um as we have explained that the way that um the cabal engages in its strategic operations it it continues forward both with operations and with narratives that were designed for um to be most effective with broader campaigns and they continue with those different moving parts of it 
whether or not the broader campaigns are in collapse. Because if you start giving signals that your broader campaign is in collapse, then all the component pieces, which in managing that collapse are necessary for the thing to kind of glide down, right, all come crashing down. So despite that these plans don't, you know, this plan doesn't work, that plan doesn't work, they continue to move forward with the other pieces of the operation as well. It's, a lot of it has to do with confidence and then, of course, the practical relationships of the people involved in those different schemes. Absolutely. What do you think is uh, right now, as this is heating up here on the east, uh, within Eastern Europe and the Eastern European theater with Ukraine, and most people don't realize that, you know, it's amazing. And I, I, I kind of laugh within myself because people don't realize, you know, many people have already said, many professional people with deep military backgrounds have already said that Ukraine is the is literally the second largest army in Europe outside of Turkey, right? Right. I mean, if you talk about NATO armies, I, yes, mean, I guess in, in, in Europe, in the sense of like what one thinks of Europe, you could you could say that Ukraine is the largest army, you know, um, and and I, I think that, you know, Turkey being the largest army in NATO, um, but actually, as many NATO, other people in NATO, you know, the leaders of NATO countries, the you know, different generals, you know, everyone is questioned like, hey, what <laughs> Turkey? Are you with us or not? Right. Um, certainly they are. Turkey is doing Turkey right now. And that's kind of the thing. That's a great X factor in terms of how it's things massive, shape up. Yeah. yeah, it's a massive X factor. It's like, you know, uh, Erdogan is literally, you know, playing the middle. Uh, and, 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 and it's not going well for, for the U.S. and the U.K. in that sense. Because Erdogan is just doing his own thing. Turkey's doing its own thing. They're enforcing and pressing their their uh, um, uh, interests in the region. And it's remarkable to see that. Um, the Ukraine situation is also very interesting because here's one of the, one of the best trained militaries in Europe getting absolutely creamed. And they know that they're losing this. Now, we have the situation in Taiwan. We have the situation in the South China Sea is another problem that the multipolar, that, that the unipolar yeah, world uh, is man, It's is just doing. so many what, things popping on off at once. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's totally... I mean, the the with with Taiwan and, and seeing how that's unfolding, a lot of that has been sort of hyperventilated by I mean, really, the crisis created by um, congressional Democrats. Um, this is, um, you know, China has looked at um, the island of the Isle of Formosa um, the same way that the government uh, of of you know, self-proclaimed government in Taiwan, Republic of China, has seen itself, right, as the continuation of one China policy. So it was very interesting that you had, you know, both the the uh, the KMT um, government for, forever, right, in Taiwan, um, actually agreeing with China that actually, you know, we, we all agree that, you know, this is one China, right? You can't be Taiwan and China, right? It's, it's, it's China. Um, so the question is, who runs China? So really the advent, and this was really kind of uh, propelled Right by the by the by the uh, democratic uh, the progressive uh, Democrats in, in in Taiwan with the Green Alliance, not to be confused with the Green Party, um, that have you know actually introduced this Taiwanese nationalism, right, and uh, this this new idea um, that is that the Chinese talking about mainland China, of course, have gamed out, and that works for them too because all of the the entire Taiwanese economy is completely like integrated, like without firewalls practically in, into mainland China. Um, there, there's nobody in reality that sees this conflict in terms of, um, 
a, a conflict between two systems because the Chinese have already established, you know, the Hong Kong as, you know, one country, two systems, if you would. Right. Yeah. And, and they have made it clear that that's the attitude towards Taiwan. In fact, in other words, Taiwan today is not going to look different, uh, you know, in, in five years or 10 years or 20 years. Um, even though China, uh, mainland China is, you know, ultimately there's just, there's just let's be realistic, uh, is going to be recognized as the, the person to talk to in dealing with, you know, matters of, of Taiwan. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of these businesses in Taiwan, again, they're unaffected by that. You know, in other words, okay, a little change in the filing registration of the country, the tax code, whatever, and they're doing the same thing they always did. So sure. um, with the U.S. trying to make this into a military crisis, is really absurd from a Chinese perspective. It's insane. And I was I was listening to uh, uh, on the ground Taiwanese residents uh, where they were doing like a man on the street type interviews. And the Taiwanese are like, what the hell is the U.S. doing here? This is how does this benefit Taiwan? How does this yeah. benefit us as a people? You know, it, it yeah. doesn't. It's yeah. insane. And, and, and this is what I'm saying. This this maniacal insanity. Then you have I, I want to know if you want to comment on the the Trump issue here with the Mar-a-Lago raid. What is your opinion on that? Is is there a conflict within the government of the United States? Uh, yeah, it I mean, seems it, it, that way. I mean, it, it, it's we would only have to look at recently, uh, you know, the discourse in Mexico with AMLO, um, where last year he raised going after four or five past presidents, right? Yeah. And um, there's legitimate reason to do that, right? Um, but this would involve. Uh, you know, prosecuting them, potentially raiding their homes, you know, putting charges on them, imprisoning them. And this would cause deep, this would represent, right, the why he's talking about this, right? Because that would represent the level of, of breaking point, right, within the Mexican deep state, right? Because you have this sort of sovereigntist element, which is connected to the real existing relationships on the ground, and then you have the pressure, you know, on the other from the other side of the Rio Grande, right? And um, and so the arguments against going after that is that it cre it creates a perpetual cycle of destabilization. Um, ergo, okay, and using the same rules as even a bigger deal. Just think about if you had been reading about anything in in France or Germany or the UK, and it's like former prime minister, like the last one you know, uh, his home was raided by the police or something, yeah. right? The, the yeah. federal police. Um, that has gone, that is going beyond a, a point of no return, giving, you know, uh, a former president, the, the Roger Stone treatment. Um, and it's, I'm not talking about the, you know, something about the respect of the institution or any of these things. I'm talking about what it represents in terms of destabilization and showing the degree to which, um, the, the, the norms of, of solving these problems and normal political processes have totally uh, broken down in the U.S. Um, those are the types of things, uh, VJ, that, that happening inside the U.S., right, that are representative of yeah. why you had Lavrov say six or seven years ago that the U.S. was non-agreement capable. Correct. Right? They're not capable of making agreements. So you, there's no one that you can actually... That, that that can uh, enforce an agreement. There's too many divisions in the power structure uh, in the U.S. So, How do you think that's going to play out here, especially mm -hmm. that there's been a massive backlash against uh, the government itself and, and, and many, many Americans are absolutely pissed off at what's happening here. 
how do you think that's gonna play out this coming election? Man, cycle I, you know, it's it's you see this normal. See, w- the the U.S. is in a a major major political crisis um, that hasn't happened in its history in in living memory. There, there are no adults um, of voting age today that can say that there was a a deeper crisis, right? And and this coming November election, um, people are going to go unsure. Right. If the anomalies and problems with the who's registered and how are these counted, that type of stuff, if that isn't solved. Right. And people find in what's going to, you know, in other words, is that going to discourage turnout or um, is the fact that that could discourage turnout going to be used um, if turnout was not discouraged? But if the vote was stolen uh, on this occasion and in, in this coming November, is that going to be you see what I'm saying? So this is furthering yeah. this this break of, of fundamental trust between uh, the people and government, and it, it's changing. Uh, well, it has changed, but it is part of that change in relationship of who works for who. Um, and if government is not serving people, um, then it's a tyranny. Now, in terms of you know, and that that's crazy. I, I think what you hit the nail on the head when you when you quote Lavrov when he stated that the United States is not agreement capable. 100% correct. There's nobody here. It's a broken system. Even if you make an agreement with one administration, that could be nullified with the incoming administration. So there's no long-term anything here. It's insane. Or or even, yeah, VJ, remember when, I mean, think of it, we will, but when Trump was sending this, with telling the Iranians things about JCPOA and what they might do as an alternative, and then the Congress sent their own letter saying, or the Senate sent their own letter saying, actually, the president doesn't make, it's like, can you imagine that, like in a country and then like some other branch of government Rights to the sovereign of another state that you could be in a con a war or something with, and like actually these decisions aren't binding unless we say they are. Let me let, let, they, they actually wrote a letter to the Iranians saying, "Let us give you a little lesson in how constitutional systems work. Our Jesus. king is not an emperor, and so unlike you know your guy, so even though Trump said this, it doesn't bind unless we agree. So actually, maybe you should talk to us. And it's totally weird because that has to do with you know, who, who acts as the foreign minister, right? Who, who yeah. bargains and negotiates, right? The, the president's in the, charge of treaties. Exactly. So It's insanity. This is where we are as a country. The, yeah. the, we're such a broken country. Totally. Totally broken. The West is completely broken, completely insolvent, completely deindustrialized. Yeah. It, it terrifies me to see how this yeah. is going to end up. And people are hoping for some pie-in-the-sky thing that's going to some white, you know, some white knight that's going to come out of the, right. the the horizon and save them all. This only ends one way, Joaquin. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you have us, you know, these different slow bleed scenarios. You have different ways that the U.S. can transition into uh, a, an, an American continental power. Um, for those of you who follow kind of like Marine News and what's been happening, um, yeah. some time ago it was announced the Marines are going to be significantly downscaled. They're going to be totally reengineered. No longer going to be like a vanguard force or anything like that they're going to be um a lot of their you know they're going to lose their tanks they're losing planes they're losing a lot of stuff they're going to be a light amphibious like force for basically coastal operations uh for control over latin america um that's and exactly i forecasted this a decade ago so yes, it's, it's totally interesting no you're right about that they're not they're they're getting rid of all their m1a1 tanks mm-hmm. they're getting rid i mean they're they're keeping a handful of light assault vehicles um yeah, they're denazifying. <laughs> you said it. You said it. And isn't that remarkable? It, it's like 
No, it's just I, I say that as a joke, man. I have tremendous respect for the Marines and, and the and the men and women who make that possible. But let me say that one thing the Marines does not do is prepare people to enter back into civilian life. Hmm. That's true. Yeah, that is true. And it's remarkable to see that change within the Marine Corps itself. That yeah. that that's you, you said it right. This is not for you know uh, intercontinental uh, power projection anymore. Right. This that's is right. This is coastal. Yeah, that's showing the direction, that's showing the real strategic orientation of the United States moving forward. All this other stuff is like posturing and bluff to hold stock value while things kind of transit move around. Yeah, I see the same know. thing that, you know, in the, in the economic sense and in the, in, in the financial sense of things. It's it's looking that we're, we are trying to become a, a regional power, a continent, like what you said, a continental power. Yeah, which could work. I mean, hemisphere. don't get me wrong, yeah. that could work, you know, I'm. It could only work if we get these morons out of power that are in DC. If Washington, well, yeah, DC that, they're not even able. To, yeah, they're not actually able to orient that way. I mean, they're 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 still caught up with with this with the posturing system. They're actually tied into the posturing. They actually don't have any disincentive to untangle from that. So that's a, that's an astute point, BJ. I, I guess all I would say is that you know they have nowhere else to go. So mm-hmm. if they're going to do something, it's going to be. Um, just look at the strange things that were said in the debate. Excuse me, it's about 40 degrees in here. Um, about the strange things that were said during the U.S., um, the Democrats, uh, when they were running for president during the nomination process, this very strange talking points people may remember about, would you send troops into Mexico? Sure. Remember, I don't know if people yeah, talk about that. But I remember yeah. that. Um, now, people who actually follow sort of like um, um, maybe vets or whatever who kind of follow um, um, uh, uh, literature by people from the military and maybe uh, maybe fiction, maybe whatever. Um, Latin America tends to be like the focus of a lot of these, you know, future dystopic type of conflict zones where the U.S. is engaged. Sure. So that kind of predictive programming has been kind of um, put into military culture for some time. Yeah. No, absolutely right. Even uh, you know, a lot of the, the the things that are be coming out with with uh, popular culture, movies, shows like the Terminal List, this, that, and the other, it all centers around uh, Mexico, Central America, uh, and whatnot. You know, um, it, it, that is true. That is true. Th- that's they're going to try to do kind of like with South Africa, if if they're smart, like kind of part of the Democrat. What could be like one of the things to sort of orient the U.S., even though they're still posturing on this crazy stuff, because. The Democrats play the race politics. So, you know, um, what what they really want is they want to bring up a, a, a uh, what's called a diversity trained group of individuals who represent the racial groups of Latin America. Whether you're talking about the you know Afro-Caribbean, the Caribbean, sure. Latin, Latino America in the Caribbean and <clears throat> Brazil, um, you know, you have, you know, Afro-Brazilians you have. Right. And to kind of have, you know, maybe uh, both Latinos and African-Americans you know, kind of, uh, you know, interact with Central America, with Jamaica, with, with uh, Dominican Republic and Haiti and stuff towards this sort of idea of creating a, a, an, a, an, a continental power. Right. And in the culture, what that would mean is like the development of, of racially ambiguous uh, Hollywood stars, maybe like The Rock or, or Vin Diesel. Remember when those action movies sure. were coming out a decade and a half ago? Yeah. And naturally, when you saw, you know, the fruition of when the U.S. launched uh, Desert Storm, mm-hmm. um, the big billboards on the big side of the buildings, both in New York and Los Angeles, 
were of the um, of the racially ambiguous female soldier in the vanguard, you know, leading Desert Storm, right? Yeah. And the yellow ribbons and everything. So that was the, um, you know, that that's kind of a cultural thing to be on the lookout for moving forward and how the U.S. is, you know, reorients towards becoming um, one of the polar powers in the world. Absolutely. And there's going to be a big fight between, you know, Rio de Janeiro, Mexico City on the one hand, and, you know, basically, you know, New York and, and Washington um, in terms of how, how a integrated American economy looks like. Because another emergent block is the Latin American economy with the digital currency, sure. the Sucre, the, you know, the uh, Mercosur and all of that. So, it, it, yeah, that is that that is true. I wonder how they're going to respond to especially the fact that a lot of the Central and Latin American countries are now shifting to China, Russia for development for infrastructure for trade uh for commerce and technology it, it, it's so dumb it's so out? dumb from the point of view of american planning and it's it, it has hurt american people a lot and you know and and a lot of the american policies towards latin america um were not aimed at economic development so much as they were aimed at keeping that development um from affecting price management. So they actually, in order to maintain price, we're not working toward developing Latin America. And instead, um, you're talking about the raw materials and things being extracted, right? And it wasn't until much later that you started to have, let's say, like with the maquiladoras and stuff near the border for the clothing industry. And then later you had like, you know, Volkswagen and stuff. We're talking about like Man. in the with the 70s and the 80s going into Brazil and Mexico in a big way. Remember all that? Sure. Yep. So these are developments that the U.S., because of their policies coming from all of the Nazis that they brought in from World War II and the kind of this attitude towards Latin America, it was a very different approach than, you know, let's say Roosevelt had or others. This was a, a new kind of Nazi-infused government that that began to... Uh, talk, talking about the CIA, okay? Not, not talking about the whole government, talking about the intelligence and how they treated latin america and the type of alliances that they made and what they were trying to inherit and yeah. what they really just took on is all of the all of the the historical connections that were related to the 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 um you know descendants of the europeans um who tended to be better off and maybe in positions of power in these societies and so it, it kind of leveraged this ugly kind of old like class and race thing in latin america um, and the U.S. antagonized those differences and, and really stoked those differences and escalated them. And this had a negative effect on Latin American development for decades. Um, only now we're seeing sort of the things that we might have seen. You know, think of the, the Japans and the Taiwans that could have emerged out of Latin America had sure. it not been for this policy of, of keeping Latin America held back. Absolutely, that's that. That was the entire purpose of the uh, the School of the Americas. Right, that's right. Yeah, you know, and which I, I heard it's back. Under yeah, a new name. No, they, they, yeah. I mean, the 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 School of the Americas stuff is basically what you have at you know also at Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo yeah. and this stuff. You know, I mean, it's the the next stuff talking about cognitive domain and 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 creating terrorists and super soldiers and things like that, brainwashed subjects. I mean, it's it's really intense. Um, Incredible. We know, I mean, we know that that the uh, that the um, there was a, a an art display, an art show that was done privately for the uh, Rockefeller Foundation, mm -hmm. uh, attended by the senior most Rockefeller 
um, that was held by Marina Abramovich, the so-called yes. like uh, right entertainer, I suppose. Yeah, the right? spirit cooker. Yeah, the spirit cooker, and mm -hmm. um, they have everybody out. Like they're calling it like a retreat and talking about like isolation and decompress all this kind of cult stuff. And basically, what it is is um, people are in orange jumpsuits in cells, right? And so they're really going through the Same. science of ego deconstruction, how you do all this stuff, all this cult stuff, and um, you know, it, it's. It's very it's fairly evident where a lot of the terrorists are coming from. Um, they're actually being produced at the locations that are called terrorist prison centers, like where they claim that they're bringing terrorists, you know, that they've captured for yep. extraordinary rendition. Yep. Actually, it, it, the extraordinary rendition process is how you create the terrorist. Bingo. You, and and then, then, then they're released back in. And we've seen this right. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They're like. It just in Guantanamo Bay just released 84 uh, uh, ISIS prisoners back into the civilian population because right, back into go like, on what? guys yeah you know <laughs> have at it and, and and this is the funny part it's like what well, this is what people don't realize uh, Islamic terrorism right I mean they tell you that ISIS hates the West ISIS hates America and I, I Joaquin ISIS hates the West so much that 99.9999 percent of their victims are all Muslim that's how much. ISIS hates the West. Yeah, no, it's, it's a ridiculous <laughs> thing. I mean, you, could, <laughs> you know, they, they, um, it's interesting that, that ISIS only attacked, you know, Israel's enemies. You know, it was like yeah. the weirdest thing. <laughs> uh, I was like, what is it? What's going on? We here? hate you Israel. Know, uh, Israel's the great, is, is the lesser of Satan. We you hate know, them. yeah, it's like, well, you know, it's like, they're like, well, in order to, in order to defeat Israel, we must defeat all of their, um, enemies enemies yes. <laughs> you know <laughs> like how does that work <laughs> Dude, it's incredible. Uh, yeah so <laughs> isis well that's another example bj dude when you were talking about what are the signs of the break of how the u.s is not even capable look you had you had the u.s you had they were behind um isis but they were also behind um the ypg and yeah. so you had the YPG and ISIS guys and the and the and the CIA and Pentagon instructors in the field People shooting at each other. You know what I mean? People are nuts. Yeah. So that's like reminds me of like the Roman Empire, you know, <laughs> and, and, and you kind of get these legions and they're kind of out there working for different senators and stuff. And then yeah. they kind of encounter each other and you're like, oh, they're all Romans. Like, no, dude, they're not. No. Watch what happens here. <laughs> You know, it's incredible. Um, it, it, it's like it's like the LAPD trying to like control the Bloods and the Crips. It's, just, yeah, it's, it's insane, a, you know. It's yeah, insane. yeah. No, it, it it or or you know, it reminds me of like that weird part of a Venice Boulevard where like the Culver Police and the LAPD and the Santa Monica PD like all think it's their you know, yep, enforcement. Yep. Yeah, it's so strange. Uh, no, it's it's crazy. So, you know, it, it it it's it's just an opportune time for us to speak about this because. I mean, uh, I couldn't, you know, and I feel like it, it's almost like, you know, either I'm good at forecasting this, but it almost starts to feel like you're kind of creating the reality that you're living in. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. a little bit, things are escalating a little bit too. Um, I'm afraid I normally bat, you know, six or 700 and I'm batting eight or 900 and I'm sure. afraid, you know, right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's like, it's pretty scary. You know, I mean, it's, what, are, what are you forecasting? Well, you the see, next coming um, weeks, the next September coming months. is September looks like it's 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 um, for the past three weeks, um, for the past month, really looking at the lull, the so-called lull from July. 
Mm. Um, and then looking at the buildup and looking at what was called, the, you know, what Ukraine was doing with the Kherson offensive, you know, I, I'm, I'm putting all of these in the context of these events together. And I'm appreciating also the fact that sometimes these events are publicized so that um, people such as myself would put them together that way. So I'm conscious yeah. of, of the fact, right, that sometimes the breadcrumbs are left out they're arranged a certain way you you follow yeah. so that said that being said um the uh uh winter's coming soon enough um a lot of the crisis with this energy stuff is going to be affecting um citizens of europe beyond price inflation or shortages oh, yeah. but in terms of the inability to heat their homes right then there's going to be i mean it's just the inflation thing what is coming is probably not appreciated because it, I, it, I don't know if, 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 if we're reading about it, all the, you know, there's no one who's disagreeing that this is what's going to happen. So you can disagree on what the causes are. You know, you maybe you're going to say, oh, the West is planning to, you know, uh, implode their own system again or whatever your theory is. Right. Sure. Right. Um, everyone is saying this on, you know, and there's more than two sides. There's like five sides. And everyone is saying that th this is kind of the, the shit that's popping off. And, the Ukrainians are saying that, hey, this is going to pop off. Um, you know, Erdogan was recently in, in Lviv, right? We, you, you, I know that you had talked about it at the time. Yeah. But um, it's sort of weird that Lviv is like the place to do this. You would think it would be Kiev. So that's a very big sign right there. Like, yo, you're meeting yeah. in Lviv. Like, why Lviv? Yeah. Why, right. Like, because you're, 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 you're hosting Erdogan and the chief of the UN. So, you, you know, you would do that at the presidential offices like in the capital mm -hmm. unless unless you felt like you didn't really have the level of security over that kind of thing that you want people to think that you do yeah um constantly always um I, i'm i'm starting to see um developments in the information war pattern where um the the west is accurately reporting about uh russian buildups but mm -hmm. they're um doing it um, for, you know, re keep their audiences. There was a crisis with journalists only following Russian telegram because sure. they could, they could not get any information from the Ukrainians, except it, no confirmation. And that doesn't work because the news is a today business. Even if you have to print a retraction, like, was it true today? Right. But you yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. can't be true today, tomorrow. Right. So right. they need a they need a fucking answer to what happened. Right. So now they're following. So, so like CNN people or whatever on Twitter, they're following Russian telegram channels to figure out what's happening. So now, on, so now, the, the Western parties have to start like at least accurately reporting on certain movements so that they mm -hmm. can retain an audience. So uh, now I'm seeing how kind of how this pattern emerges. And um, then, then you had this uh, murder of uh, you know, an attempt on Dugan yeah. or, or, or his daughter and, and, and this um, absolute tragedy. Um, this is going to demand a response. This is a provocation, of course, and it demands a response from the Russian side, uh, a, 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 a measured equal response of a, of a similar type or as significant an outcome, if you would. And it is hard to it's hard to say. I mean, in other words, it would be difficult to try to deny that the um, West already knows that Russia is planning something. And that they have done this so that what Russia does looks like a reaction to that. So 
um, and making them look like they're reacting could be a bad thing, especially if they're planning a false flag because they want the narrative that this is a revenge move by the Russians and not just a kind of faceless, um, don't take it personal, you know, kind of process of their operation, which yeah. was already scheduled to kick off in September, as I've been saying for the past month. Right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that Daria was going to be murdered. And, you know, she's a friend of mine. And oh, wow. And, yeah. My yeah. And I knew her personally. And, wow. you know, it appeared in the past. We worked projects and communicated regularly. And, um, you know, it's um, for this to be um, so fucked up. You see, yeah, it's it's beyond fucked up. And and the, I mean, the thing, VJ, is that is that is that hundreds of basically innocent Ukrainian dudes are being killed every day yep. because of their fucked up government. You know, yeah. and and you know those fathers and mothers are crying every day in Ukraine, and and we can't be any less cognizant of the crimes of the Zelensky regime. Absolutely, for trying to push people into the field and the con like. I see these guys, the Ukrainian soldiers, not the fucking hardened Nazis and. Just like the guys who, and you see that they're guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, that probably fathers and grandfathers. And yeah. What the hell are they doing out there? And all these guys seem real likable, to be frank with you. Yeah. Right. They seem, and I mean, just just salt of the earth people, and just you know, trying to survive this goddamn shelling, you know, and and being killed when they try to, they want to surrender most of them, and they're being murdered in trying to do that by these line uh, line blockers, line enforcers. So it's incredible, man. I mean, they're yeah, they're yeah. losing a battalion a day. That's right. That's a right. Battalion it, day. You I, can't do that. See, any 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 country would would sue for peace. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy. And the fact is that you know, back in in May, when Ukraine actually lost the war, from a lot of experts are, are saying that guys like Scott Ritter has been saying that for some time. Um, the, Colonel Douglas McGregor uh, has been saying that as well. Back in May is when Ukraine lost this war, and they had an opportunity to to negotiate a peace treaty. And what happened? You have the you you have blowjob Boris Johnson. Blowjob yeah. shows up, along you know, and, and he says, "Don't worry, just go in there full force. You'll have the full capability. We will supply you all the weapons you need yeah, to yeah. fight the Russians." Yep, he's out. Yep, it's incredible. So and, so, and so now Russia's like, "Okay, why do we want to negotiate with you?" So this, they understand that they're going all the way. They're going all the way. I mean, the UK has been on pause this whole time. Yeah. Like yeah. where, where, who's who's leading the UK right now? Ever since that happened, what a month or more? When did that happen? About a month ago. About a month ago. A month who's half, leading? Yeah. I know that. I know that that Boris Johnson is actually supposed to remain until they have an interim. He's actually sure. the interim. Right. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, yeah. So was that a move that he stays in while something's happening right now? You see what I'm saying? Now that yeah. everything's happening now, is like, well, you can't remove him because he's already been removed. Well, is he in office? Well, yes. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so this means war. Well, maybe you see, because um, they're talking about the English and uh, and Kosovo actually, um, and and the English, uh, the British army, you know, leading a charge uh, maybe this week or, or so in Kosovo. But what um, the 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 pressure on Serbia, it you know maybe I think today Serbia has announced to sort of because they're being pushed right. And they're maybe looking for relief and to buy time because their their time is on Serbia's side, um, and they can always renege on something later. I think to avert the crisis right now, they may have just agreed to stop buying Russian oil after November. Yeah, and I don't, I just don't see how that is manageable for Serbia at all. But I don't see it manageable for anybody. Um, and it's hard to imagine that that 
statement will I don't I don't know if that's been verified or if that's going to be their policy. I, I just I doubt that it would be. Um, but they had said, you know, they had Serbia does this and this is their this is their information. Now, I don't mean to be cynical or to call the Serbian government liars, but strategically speaking, whenever the Atlanticist press expresses the doubts about, you know, Vucic's uh, veracity or authenticity when he says they want to join the EU and stuff like that. This is along that line of, of thinking. So I don't think that he's being honest when he said, you know, talking about Vucic. I don't think he's being honest when um, uh, he says that we don't want a Russian base. See, they did these these last two big statements. He does them like he, he combines them. So he has one that you have to study the messaging and the order of them and what it means. He goes like, um, we're not going to, we don't need a Russian base, right? Because Russia offered, hey, you know, if Serbia wants a Russian military base, we could do it. Um, this makes it seem like they don't have that base there, which they do have, um, the, the emergency center, um, or that they don't have a, a system set up for that base to be, you know, effectively constructed overnight. So it shifts the, the conversation. In other words, VJ, you understand bargaining, negotiating things, mm -hmm. you know, um, you can get one side to give up something they're about to do. And you're giving up something that that you weren't going to do until later on anyway. Yeah. You see, so it's so that it's one of those types of things. And, and invariably, Vucic ends up it ends up that the collective West does some bad thing extra to Serbia. And then Vucic doesn't have to stick to the concession that he made. Yeah. Has been sense. the dance, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. unreal. Yeah, no, it's crazy. So, but I mean, but right now people are—you know, have people all over Telegram and stuff, filming columns, you know, um, from the Albanian side, the Kosovo side, moving to the border from the Serbian side, moving south to the border um, of the autonomous region, and it's um, it's it's pretty tense. And and hopefully that statement from Vucic about we're not going to buy oil. Um, can buy time. Nobody wants a conflict here, VJ. That's not, no. it's not like a fun thing or yes, let's go win and take Kosovo back. That, that's not the thinking at all. That's right. not at all. No. Right. Now people have more pe people who've actually been at war populations who've tasted the, 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 the massive destruction and, and loss of life that war yeah. has Awful. when they taste that. Nobody wants that. It's only Nobody morons here. That. Basement dwellers playing call of duty, in, in the basements in the United States that are always, you know, hey, yeah, we're going to go to war because it's a video game to these. Right. Yeah. They it, think it, they, crazy. They, they're going to respawn somewhere. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, it's incredible, man. I mean, this whole entire thing with uh, with uh, the, the death, the murder of Daria Dugan. Yeah. Is a major, major, major red line. Uh, this is an act of terror. It this, is. Yeah. I mean, the Russians will respond. And I think what remember what Putin said, like months and months ago, that. Yeah, you're looking at a. He talked about hitting decision decision centers, mm -hmm. and he knows that this whole entire hit was definitely an SBU Ukrainian SBU, which is their intelligence agency, and NATO combined little operation. So this uh, and you you said it best, uh, Joaquin. You know, this summer was kind of there was a lull that July lull. Everything was kind of quiet, right? And yep. I thought it was going to be a hell of a summer. It mm -hmm. looks like we're going to have a an incredibly hot fall. Mm hmm. Going into the winter, I think, it, it, yeah. I think it's going to get crazy. Yeah, September, October, November. Because think about the military objectives that have to be established, and then because of the sanctions and the oil stuff, there's you know basically um, it's strange the way that this conflict basically has been 
happening is that Russia actually makes gains. And then it kind of says, hey, you know, they're, they're ba they basically, in the real language, you say they sue for peace. Sure. They actually make gains and they go back and say, okay, let's talk. Can everyone, can anyone recognize reality on the ground? Can we talk about reality on the ground, guys? Yeah. Right. And then they wait, wait, and then they have to move forward. Right. So mm. um, the chance to end this has passed. Yep. Um, now they have to move forward. The pro now you have this provocation. You know, it's um, how how do you navigate that without being seen as unable to respond and at the same time not being seen like you've been um, forced to react, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, that's why I'm not the one making those decisions. I, I wouldn't know how to manage that, frankly. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I know a lot of people think they know how to manage things, but it's better to explain to people what's happening. You know? Exactly, exactly right. Because I, I don't know how, how things are going to exactly play out, but I know the chaos is coming. I feel sorry for a lot of Europeans. Germans are going to be waking up, and they're going to be finding it's not only going to be heat and hot water that's going to be rationed. It's going to be food stuff. It's going to be so many things. It's going yeah, to be disrupted in a major way. This is so it's the value of the money that they're you know when they go to buy things. You know it's going to be crazy, and 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 all of Western Europe, not just Germany, but it's it's you know that Germany might even do something strange at the end with with the you know we don't know. There's too many possibilities that they could get um you know Nord Stream 2 going or any number of things we just don't know so yeah and we have the euro that's plummeting in value it's i don't even know where, where it's at it's like every day it's like reaching new lows it's incredible yeah they got to have russia basically has to be basically uncontestable in mikolaev and odessa before winter sets in yeah and i think they'll achieve that that goal and that's what you're going to see big i think in september you know and if not you know i i will say that I either had it wrong or maybe we're going to look at what advantages we didn't understand from the NATO side. But um, it's more likely that I have it wrong than you know what I mean. But looking at from my perspective, which I'm not in any operation planning room, I'm not a fly on the wall somewhere. But looking at how everything's pointing, it looks that's the picture I see. Yeah. Unbelievable. Joaquin, we've got three minutes left. Any uh, closing comments, anything else that you'd want the audience to be aware of in the next uh, coming days and weeks and months? Yeah. And you can um, also tell how people could follow you. Yeah, it's um, I'm only doing Telegram right now. Um, that's new resistance. It's the only simple like at sign new yeah. resistance. That's it. And uh, I just want people to know that um, in your daily life and the struggle to improve the political situation in, in your society, wherever that may be, um, the powers that be always project themselves to have more power than they have uh, to make you afraid and make you think they've already won a fight that has yet uh, to be fought. Very well said. Folks, he is Joaquin Flores, the man, the legend himself. You can catch him over the Telegram channel, New Resistance. The link is in the description box, and we ask that you subscribe here uh, to Rogue News on Twitch, YouTube, uh, DLive, and most importantly, roguenews.com. This interview is posted live and in its entirety on Twitch, on our website, and on DLive, not on YouTube, because Joaquin is rated X for yes. YouTube. <laughs> Radioactive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cannot go there. 
But uh, one thank you all for listening in. Joaquin, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you on again, my man. We got to do this more often. We will. Absolutely. With that being said, CJ, take it away.